Willow, don't Willow, you're you're yeah, gonna yeah. lose that fight, mate. <laughs> Walk away. <laughs> Cocky poodle. This week on Walking the Dog, I went out with comic, writer, actor, and all-round fabulous woman, Carrie Lloyd. Carrie and I met when she invited me on her brilliant, and I should say award-winning Griefcast podcast. Carrie doesn't have a dog at the moment, but she did drop in that she's a huge poodle fan. So I borrowed the lovely Willow, who belongs to my friend Jane. Carrie and I went for a stroll in London's Waterloo Park, and she's sort of just as lovely as you'd hope. We talked about losing her dad at young age, sharing a flat with Sarah Pascoe, and also, I think my favourite bit was how she met her other half. Hashtag adorable. Uh, do listen to Cariad on Griefcast, by the way, as it's moving and inspiring, but it's also hilarious. And you can catch Cariad in Ostentatious, the fabulous improv show, which is on at the Fortune Theatre in London until this summer. For more info on that, by the way, go to ostentatiousimpro.com. And that's spelt like Jane Austen, by the way. I hope you enjoy this podcast. If you do, please rate, review and subscribe. Here's Cariad. Willow. This is exactly what our poodle used to be like. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like, then really nervous. And so the poodle is like, yeah, I'll walk with you, but I'm, it's not what I want. Do you know what I mean? It's not who I want to be with, but fine. I'll walk with you and be well-behaved. They're like well-behaved children. Where Let's going, go this way. Okay. Because Willow's owner told me that this was a particular area that Willow liked. Willow, I, I always up. do this strange beginning bit of the podcast, Carrie. I know, it's hard to start, isn't it? So I have a grief cast. Well, you know about this, so yeah, we'll discuss yeah. this. But um, I am going to formally introduce you. Okay, okay. <laughs> so I'm ready. this is Walking the Dog. I'm Emily Dean. And I'm here with the very wonderful oh. Carrie Ad Lloyd, comic, actress, writer, podcaster. Improviser. Happy yeah. with that? Yeah, yeah improviser. Yeah, I yeah, should add improviser. <laughs> Only and because I get told off if I don't by my improv group. <laughs> that, sounded, <laughs> that sounded like I was like, don't forget my other skill. <laughs> that sounds like an argument I don't want to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're here. Well, do you want to introduce us to the dog that we've got with well, us? Well, we have got the amazing yet very neurotic and nervous which i think is appropriate for who i am willow the poodle who is um they call this an apricot poodle and it's oh, i can't remember the official word it's the medium one is it there's like it might be stand no oh, standard's the big one willow is a it's a toy isn't toy the tiny one willow is a miniature poodle it's I miniature think. yeah so How? basically it's not she's not teeny and she's not massive she's doing the stairs you're doing really well she's got a lovely argyle jumper on She's a mate. She's not my dog, sadly. This is very sad for me. I would. This is the kind of dog I would very much well, like. Well, she is. Willow belongs to a friend of mine called Jane, who I met walking my dog, Ray. Uh, which is adorable. So yeah. you've made a dog walking friend. We're just passing a French... What's that? French bulldog. And he's got a tennis ball <laughs> in his mouth. And he's what I like is he had a little coat on, but yeah. it looked like a puffer jacket <laughs> on him. Like, I was just thinking that. It looked a bit like a trendy hackney... French I thought, bulldog. I thought he looked a bit E17. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, they have that dog, don't they? Yeah. Brian's dog. Which Willow looks very do? North London. Willow! So what do you make of Willow? I think Willow's amazing. I love poodles because I'm slightly allergic to some dogs, you see. Are you? Poodles don't shed and I can, I'm fine with poodles and we had a poodle growing up. Oh. So that's why, yeah, that's why I always said to you, do you know any poodles? Like some creepy old man <laughs> asking for some hot young thing. Emily, can you set me up with a poodle, please? Willow's got a sniff. Yeah, Willow's having a sniff now. Oh, blimey, Willow. Oh, it's wee. <laughs> she found another wee. And we're in, um, we should oh, say... Oh, yeah, we should say Waterloo Park. Yeah. The and lovely... I was going to say, do you come here often? <laughs> I do, yeah, yeah. I do. I bring my daughter here when it's warm. It's a bit mm. cold today. Um, it's such a nice park. It's really nice. And they've got a nice Lauderdale house. It's a good North London park. Yeah. I actually think it's very calm as well, do you? Yeah. I really love it here and it's it's so empty as well. Mm. I mean, we don't want to be giving it away, all of the yeah, secret. Yeah, I know. It's a bit of a... And you don't really know it's there from the road. Oh, I've got a lovely old lady. Oh, it's another poodle. <gasps> so we've just spotted oh another God. poodle. Old this lady. One. That looks smaller. I think that's the smaller one, isn't it? Yeah. Black poodle, poodle guys. I think I've seen this lady before. She's basically who I want to be. <laughs> You'll She's see when we meet her. Yeah, yeah. Hello. Hello there. How, How are you? Oh, say oh, hello, Oh, great, Willow. thank you. Another poodle. This is, uh, this is Willow, 
Who's that? Oh, What's... Yeah, yeah. yeah. My yeah. friend Jane, it's her yes. dog. Yes. Yeah. Jane very well. Oh. 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 He's got so many... She's... He... He's got so many coats, that's another one. Oh, another guy. <laughs> He's got quite a wardrobe. He's like Joseph in that respect. <laughs> he only had the one, but it was very bright. Yes. And what's your dog called? Trudy. Trudy. Oh, Trudy. Yeah. Trudy. Hello, knows, Trudy. She knows him, of course, because we, we often meet her. He loves her so much, and she loves him so much. Uh, but he's good with you. He's not unhappy to. No. No, he's all right, yeah. He's marvellous, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's nice. Yeah. You've got your coffee. That's a funny thing to do. I'm, do you know, I couldn't possibly do that. Oh, well, what's drink that? it and walk. I'm with a coffee in my hand. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a. I can't understand it. You know, you either sit down in a cafe and have it or you have it at home. I mean, it's a, it's a craze, isn't it? <laughs> a modern and phenomenon. It goes cold quickly. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Plastic cup They're paper. We've got paper cups, so yeah. we can recycle, yeah. hopefully. Well, I know, but it doesn't taste like. No, you're right. Nice it's not the same, yeah. You need bone china, you really. You can cope with that with your iPhones and your dog and the coffee. <laughs> I think it's crazy. You're right. I agree with you. Thank you. Yeah, I know yeah. you are. When I was at school, we, if, we, if we were seen eating in the street, we were expelled. Wow. wow. You know, oh my goodness. That's strict. hardcore. But yeah. it was so nice to see lovely you again. to meet you and yeah, Trudy. Have a lovely day. Oh, Willow. Bye-bye. Willow, what are you up to? Willow's okay. into crows, I think. That's what we've discovered. Come on, Willow. Is Willow a boy or a girl? Willow's a boy. Oh, I thought I've been saying she. Sorry, I Willow. assumed Willow was a girl. That's as Willow, well. Perhaps Willow's undecided. I think <laughs> I might have um, made that mistake earlier, but so it's yeah, a exactly. yeah, yeah, it's a boy because the lady there seemed to be a confident. Yes, <laughs> so that lady there that we just met oh, she's is amazing. Isn't she amazing? She's amazing. Let's go down here, Carrie. She's like something. Yeah, she's like from another era. Yeah, I mean, she disapproves of coffee <laughs> in public. So she's definitely from that. My mum's friend, my friend's mum, sorry, my friend's mum had that, that she wouldn't, her school would give you a detention if you were seen eating in public in the school uniform. Really? So she used to tell my friend every time, like, mustn't be seen eating on the street. <laughs> and I thought that was the strangest thing to get upset about, like, walking along eating a sandwich. Tiny Robin. Emily, look, oh, Tiny yes. Robin. Christmas just gone. Oh, what I liked about that woman, Carrie, is yes. that it was... It made me feel so young. Because <laughs> she must have been yeah. about, she was sort of about late 80s, yeah, I would say. Yeah. And but very well preserved. And I liked the beige snood. Yeah, she had a beige snood. The beige snood was very glamorous. It was the idea that we were these hipsters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We are. <laughs> He's like open coffees, mobile open coffees. So what would you feel if you actually meant met a millennial? She'd be, <laughs> she'd be distraught. <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, Two quite safe ladies having hot chocolate, actually. I didn't dare tell her. It's not even coffee. It's just, it's just a hot chocolate. So I'm really excited to have you on today, I'm Carrier. excited to be here. I love this podcast. Oh, well, I'm a big fan of your podcast, <laughs> Briefcast, which we will talk about. Yes. And that's actually how we first met when yes. I did your podcast. But I wanted to go back to your early dog experiences a Oh, bit. sure, sure. So you were... Am I right in thinking you were a Londoner? Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Despite the name, the Welshest name in the world, I grew up in North London um, yeah, and still live here. I love North London heartily. And it was you, your mum and your dad. Yep. And my brother, and an older brother. brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the edges of North London. I don't like to talk about the area too much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very pro- weirdly private about certain things. But yeah, the suburbs of North London, basically. I get the impression from when I've spoken to you before. Yes. Should we go, should we go there? Because I'm conscious that we're heading out of the park. And there's a big Rossi there who looks lovely, but oh, he looks a bit, you never yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, he's a bit, and he's not on the lead. No, exactly. Willow, don't, Willow, you're, you're yeah. going to lose that fight, mate. <laughs> Walk away. <laughs> Cocky poodle. No. So I get the impression yes. that your background was... Slightly sort of arts and crafts, bohemian. <laughs> it wasn't as bohemian as yours. Yours, I think, was the the best bohemian I've heard of. Mine was like weirdly, um, I was thinking about this morning, actually. Like, I guess it's the suburban version of bohemia. On paper, if you looked at us, I think we looked very suburban and normal. Yeah. Mum, dad, and, you know, nice house and garden, boy and a girl. But, yeah, we were quite, my parents are actually quite bohemian in a way that, I think they concealed quite well. Whereas I think with what you told me about your family, the bohemian was like, as soon as you opened the package, you were like, yes, this is bohemia. Yeah, yeah. With my lot, I think it would take you about an hour before you were like, 
what the fuck is going on with these people? <laughs> like, you'd be like, oh, they see... Like, my mum seems very normal at first. And then you find out about the cults she was in in the 70s. And you think, oh, OK, yeah, maybe it's not quite as simple. So, yeah, they were into a lot of self-help, I guess, is what you'd call it now. But it was like, as we talked about, it was called Est then. And they were into sort of like like you'd go it's so hard to explain but it's not like now when so, if someone said I'm into self-help now you think oh right they read a book whereas in the 70s it was like oh they went and like lived in a house with those people doing self-help or they stayed over all weekend talking up assessing their problems and crying and pretending to be dead it's very hard to explain <laughs> what the, no, my I parents got mean. into well I think what you call it now is a retreat which I've done yes. which is a kind of well-being retreat yeah where yeah Whereas I think then, yeah, I know what you mean. It was that sense of... Well, no one else was doing it. Yeah. It was a very unusual thing to do. And also, I think, look at the films of the 70s, look at the politics. Things weren't soft. Mm. Whereas I think now people go, well-being. Whereas then it was literally called, we're going to break you. Right. Like, so people wanted, like, hardcore self-help. Right. That was the fashion. They didn't want someone to be like, oh, why don't we talk about it? They were like, yeah. you are <laughs> fucked up. How can we destroy your brain and rebuild it so that you can be true to yourself? Right. Like, that's, I think, much more what was happening. Right. So we were brought up with that kind of philosophy. And we used to go to Fintorn in Scotland and have family meetings. It was just, yeah, very... Um, What's your mum and dad's names? Uh, Ruth and Peter. So Ruth and Peter. Yeah. Are they... I like them, very biblical. Oh, yeah, no, funny, isn't it? Because, again, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think <laughs> it to meet when you've met them. What were, what were their jobs, sorry? Did they...? Uh, so my mum uh, worked... She was, a, like... She looked after us, but then she was... Or she looked after kids, so she worked at, like, children's homes, and she was, like, Montessori teacher, she worked in schools, but between, like, sort of raising us, really. Yeah. My dad, I've said this before, like, it's really hard to know what he did. Like, it was something to do... It's sort of like management consultant or something. When I got married, you have to put your father's occupation. And I genuinely <laughs> turned to my mum and brother and said, what did he do? And they were like, business. <laughs> so I just wrote business down. Businessman. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah, it was like management, you know, communication, PR, marketing, management, consultant. He had an office right. in the house. We don't really know what he did. Okay. <laughs> but he was in that room quite a lot. That way. <laughs> he had a computer. He liked talking about networking. That's all I can tell you guys. He had one of the first internets. Would you describe your childhood as happy? Yeah, I would, I think, to a certain extent. I think now I'm in therapy. My therapist likes to point out a lot of things maybe I didn't notice. <laughs> but, um, do you find you ever... Sometimes when my therapist does that, do you, I find myself getting a bit um, defensive about yeah, my family. Yeah, I you? do as well, yeah, because she's like, oh, maybe, you, you know... She always thinks I was quite blinkered about stuff. And I'm like... Maybe I was, but maybe it was also fine that they were crazy, you know. Because if someone wasn't there, you feel a bit like, well, it's all very well judging them now, but at the time, it wasn't like I, I wasn't unhappy as a child. Yeah. So it's all very well saying, yes, but you were ignoring a lot of the things that were going on. And I think, yes, and I was very happy ignoring them, <laughs> and I was fine. <laughs> no, I think we had a really nice, I would say, my memory of it is very happy, like sort of idyllic suburban. I said, you know, we had the... My dad used to run marathons and triathlons all over the ro- world, running, um, raising money for this charity called World Runners. Mm. So we used to go away, like we went to Barbados, so he ran the marathon there, or we went to Moscow, and he ran the marathon there. So we had like these amazing, they used both really into traveling. They used to take us all over the world, apart from the year that they had no money and we went to Wales, which was very painful. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah, my memory of it is just, you know, playing in the garden with my brother and having my friends around the corner and going to school across the road it was just lovely and then my dad died so for me it's a bit like um before and after seems quite but then I think my therapist would say I've colored them quite strongly so I've made the before my dad died really perfect and the after much worse it's a bit sort of wizard of oz I think so yeah yeah I think so it was actually perhaps it wasn't as wonderful as I'd like to remember it. I'm sure that's true. Why do you think you've done that, maybe? So he died when I was 15. He was diagnosed in the February, was dead by the April. And I said, he was uh, training for an Ironman, he ran triathlons. Very noisy child coming past us. I'm really sorry, Guys, we're having a moment. I'm just talking about my dead father. I'm telling you about 
opening up. Can I have just opening up for <laughs> And then a child decided to join him. Yeah. That's okay. I, have a ch- I know they, they have no sense of decorum. I know. Um, yeah, so I think the shock, basically, it was such a shock. You when, were 15, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, he was dead so quickly. <laughs> That's a funny thing to say. He just die. But, you know, we had the diagnosis that he had secondary pancreatic cancer. And then before I knew it, he was dead and I had to take my GCSEs and so I think it just became I think sometimes when cancer's a longer thing mm. you maybe your life evolves around it at the same time when people are sick for maybe one or two years I don't know I don't have experience but my experience was like everything was fine mm-hmm. your dad's got cancer he's dead <laughs> and it was like what what just happened so I think um it makes it easier to romanticize that life because it seems like it got ripped away very quickly yes yeah uh, I yeah. can see that. Yeah, so you get very like, oh, before he was ill, everything was wonderful. It's like, definitely wasn't true. Yeah. It was definitely um, not very dramatic before he died. And I'd how say. do you think it changed you as a person, losing your dad at that uh, uh, yeah, it's kind hard. of important age? I think it's taken me <laughs> many, many years, as I say on Griefcast, to work that out. I think it fundamentally changed me as a person because it's such a shocking thing to happen. But if you'd asked me when I was 15, I would have said, no, nothing's changed, I'm exactly the same. Because um, I fought it for so long. But I think now I'm older, I think, how can it not change you mm. to lose someone so fundamental to your life and your peace and your world so quickly? It definitely made me... Well, we talk about this all the time on Griefcast of, like, once you've joined the club, as we call it, the yeah. fun death club, I think you just suddenly become aware that life isn't you know, sleeping out in the tent in the garden with your brother going to school across the road and that's it. You're like, oh, there's another side to life that's really awful. And I, it's like you're pushed through that door, aren't you? Of yes. Like, oh, people can die. And until you know that and experience it, I think it's easy to, yeah, live your life thinking, oh, you know, the worst thing that can happen is my friend isn't talking to me today at school or that boy doesn't like me, then you're like, no, the worst thing can happen is, guys, everyone can fucking die. So you can imagine how fun I was as a teenager (laughs) because I just went from, you know, I was at parties and everyone was getting drunk and taking drugs and I was like, we're all going to (laughs) die. What's the point of any of this? What's the point of, like... Snogging each other. I do hope or, you had you like. A, I do hope you started to be a goth for this period. I was a goth. Yes, of course. I was already a bit of a goth. Willow seen a squirrel. Willow. Willow. <laughs> you perked up suddenly. Willow. Squirrel's gone, mate. It's gone. Well done for seeing it, though. Where's the squirrel? It's gone up the tree, isn't it? Did you chase <laughs> it off? Oh, good dog. Um, yeah, I was a bit of a goth beforehand, but it definitely, it definitely increased. But I was a bad goth. Did I tell you this? Because I, I had like. Waist length, jet black hair, black lipstick, like 150 necklaces from Camden Market. But then I'd listen to Joni Mitchell because I didn't <laughs> like the goth music. <laughs> the goth music was too loud. Couldn't you have even gone commercial goth like Friday I'm in Love? Oh, I didn't, yeah, I did like that. I did yeah. like The Cure, but I found, uh, you know, every, at that time, everyone was listening to Sweet Like Chocolate Boy. That's what I was dealing with. That's my oh, era. Yeah, of course it is. Everyone yeah. was dressed in Jane Norman. And oh, yes, I forget. You see, that's the thing. I UK thought the cute. So were they not popular anymore then? Not really. No, not. that would have been no. a bit vintage for my... So I was going to say, so your goth era was... Was it was good Charlotte? Or was that... No, that's I a don't bit know. Later. Honestly, I feel like I was always in the wrong bit of time. <laughs> like I was... There wasn't any goths when I was... There was no emo music. Everyone was listening to UK Garage or the Spice Girls. Yes. Or it was the end of Oasis and Blur, like that just finished. And like there was just, I remember just thinking, where is the music that, that's why I listened to Joni Mitchell and Bob Dylan and Fleetwood Mac. (laughs) Yes, I see that. I always just thought goths sort of transcended decades really and they just. I think the period that I was 15, 16, there was a break in the goths. (laughs) That's what I think. Because there was nothing. A break in the goth matrix. And then you started getting emo. So I totally, when I saw that happening, I was like, I would have bloody loved a bit of emo. This looks amazing. I was going to say, when did goths become the emo? I know. I mean, that's really what happened. That's happened. They stole our goths. And you, tell you what, you could not buy stripy tights for love nor money (laughs) in my day. You had to search up and down Camden Market and fight another goth for it. And now... I see them everywhere. They're stripy tights and their corsets and their black net skirts. I think, oh, you don't know you're born. <laughs> it was very hard to get that kind of schmutter when I was a child. 
This was a tough period, obviously. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, and after your dad died, how did that make you feel as a family, do you think? Did it bring you together or do you think it... Yeah, it did actually, we were very lucky. I don't know if everybody has this and I think my experience is it can, death can really rip a family apart. It's a bit, I think it's very similar to a baby. It's like if there's any problems before the baby, yeah. they're just magnified once the baby arrives. And the same with a death. It's like yeah. any trouble brewing, a death just makes it go boom, there it is. Yeah. But we were very lucky that um, my mum is and was amazing. Yeah. And um, everything I've read since then, especially uh, talking to Julia Samuel, an amazing grief psychotherapist. Oh, yeah. And she was saying that with young people being bereaved, the, a big part of it is the, the parents left. So their survival is about that parents left has to be very stable and secure. And my mum absolutely made it that she was, you know, she was just 100% there for us, which obviously is not, not possible for everybody. So it's yeah, not a yeah. criticism if you're, that didn't happen to you. My mum was, yeah, she just became two parents and pulled us together and we became really close. Yeah. Uh, that unit, the rest of the family was, it was tough for lots of other reasons, but me, my mum and my brother definitely felt like it's us versus the world. Yeah. Because we'd been through this, you know, awful thing. And, and my parents were very open about what was happening to my dad. We were there when he died. We were in the room. It was always talked about, you know, it wasn't, my mum would cry in front of us. It, it definitely wasn't, um, <laughs> another fashion legend just walked past oh, us. So. Red yeah. velvet jacket and uh, herringbone she trousers. Oh, she looked amazing. You know what, I've got a theory about that carrier as well. Yes, I yes. What I like, and I don't know why this is, but there's a particular thing about these women around here. That, yeah. You know, there's that sense of, you're meant to sort of hide away. Oh, yes. Once you get to a certain age. And if you're not young, you know, you have two choices. Yeah, you become you disappear. a sort of matriarch. Or you're a young coquette, basically. Yeah, yeah. Those are the only two roles you can play as a woman. Or your mum. Yeah. But it's like, I like these women because they're like, no, nah, I'm not doing any of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck you all. <laughs> Screw it's, you. What's that poem? Like, when I'm old, I'll wear my purple yeah. hat. This is really often, can I say, because I keep wanting to ask you a question. No, no. <laughs> I keep feeling like, oh, God, I, why am I asking so much? So used to doing my podcast. I'm like, I must ask Emily a question. Do you know, it's really weird because when I interviewed Greg Davis, oh, yeah. he just stopped suddenly and he went, I just feel a bit weird about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, I just feel like I'm talking about myself. I know, yeah, it's... you feel like you're having a, one of those chats where you're like, oh, I must ask a question in a minute. I've talked enough. Well, it's <laughs> like... if you're a curious person as well, yeah, which yeah, you yeah. are. You know? Yeah, yeah. Someone say, was that what you, your family was like? <laughs> like it's interesting that this thing that happened to you, which was life-changing, but also not easy, I sort of love that something really... Positive and joyful has come out of that. Yeah, for you. yeah, definitely. Oh, Willow's having a sniff. Doesn't need much, Willow, but when when <laughs> he wants to stop, he will. Um, yeah, I think um, I was reading about grief on the internet because that's the sort of thing I do, and they were talking about like different types of grievers, and there was one that was described as like activist, and it was like this griever oh, won't yeah. um, will like either like start researching the disease or like start campaigning or and won't will force a change from it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's me. <laughs> and I think I just felt, I think what happened was so, felt so awful. Obviously, it's not the worst thing in the world. Plenty of people have more awful experiences. But to me, at that time, it felt like, I mean, I describe it a lot on the show of like someone had pulled the tablecloth off the table. But it also felt like the world had cracked open. And, yeah. And everything, I was in the pit. And it felt so awful that I remember thinking, something good has to fucking come of this. this like, yeah. it can't be this. It can't just be that. There must be a thing that I can... And this is my self-help upbringing. There must be a reason, and I can learn from it. And how can I process this? And what can I take from it? Like, that's how we were brought up. So what, what can we learn from this, kids? This argument about who holds the remote controls. What can we learn today? So I did that to my dad's death, I think. I was like, right, okay. I feel awful. So then I maintained I would always talk about it, which I did. And then when podcasts started being a thing, I thought, oh, I would have loved a podcast. Yeah. When my dad died, talking about that would have been really helpful. So I thought, oh, maybe I should do it. That would be, that would be you. That was something I would have liked. And it was always trying to make something useful come out of yeah. something so shit. Well, like you with your new book. You just want something to come out of 
a, a shit situation. <laughs> well, I agree with that, and, all, and it is cathartic, but also... I think it was brave of you to do it, and I, I don't normally like the word brave in connection with death and mourning, but when I say brave, I'm talking specifically just about you deciding to do that as an art form, if you like, or you deciding to do it as a piece of work on a podcast and opening up about it and making it, putting it into a public forum. Your podcast is so funny, but it's also moving. Yeah. And I certainly found this writing my book recently... People sometimes say, oh, this sounds good. Yeah, it's going to be funny, though, isn't it? It's going to be funny <laughs> with this panic in their yeah, voice. Yeah, like, please don't make me think about death too much. <laughs> I don't want to. I'm trying to live my life. And you're like, I know, but it's going to happen to you. You're going to die. <laughs> don't tell me that, carry <laughs> on, Emily. And you end up saying, well, yeah, it's funny, but they're funny bits. Yeah. But it's quite sad because it's know. about death. And they say, yeah, but I don't want to read a cancer diary. I mean, it's, <laughs> well, don't read it then. Yeah, don't read it then. Because read another book. Yeah, exactly. No, I, 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 that, to... I just was interested in that that thing that when you experience loss and you choose to talk about it. Yes. I think it can provoke responses in people of, I guess, defensiveness. Yeah, I think sometimes. honestly, like fear. I think so much of life is people are terrified of dying. Like, now I talk about it all the time and, and I'm obsessed with it. I look at stuff and I think, why is that person acting like that? And I think, God, this is about death. This is about trying to live. Like, I think once you're in the club and you're through that door and you know that death happens, you know, you have a choice. Either you pretend you're not there or you go, guys, look, this, this is OK. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not the end. Yeah. Yes, it's the end for that person, but it doesn't mean it's... And I'm yeah. not, people then go, oh, oh, you're saying death's brilliant. I'm like, no, I'm not saying it's brilliant, but I'm saying it's, go, it's 100% going to happen. So we have to face that. Yeah. And I think some people are just so terrified of it. Like, I was talking to someone the other day. You'd appreciate this. People in the club appreciate this. <laughs> and they were saying... In the grief club. In the grief club. I said something about... They were asking me about grandparents, and I said, oh, well, we've only got my mum, because actually my husband, both his parents have passed away. And he went, oh, God, I mean, that's literally my worst nightmare. And I thought, what are you... Like, uh, that's his life, you know? And I said, oh, well, yeah, I mean, obviously it's, it's very sad. Um, and he's like, I mean, I can't even think about it. I mean, I just, I just hope it never happens to me. And I thought, what world are you living in where you think your parents aren't going to die? They're going to die. But that's because yeah. he hasn't been, this person hadn't been in the club at all, hadn't, you know, obviously hadn't had a very close person to them die. And I thought, oh, I see. You think that you can somehow not be in that, not walk in that room as if it's a choice? And yeah. you know, you realise it's not it's not a choice, guys. Like it's it's just going to happen. Yeah. Um so yeah, I think that's maybe you've had this as well. Like the more you talk about it, just the easier it is, the less it becomes frightening. I think so. And I've got I you know, if you'd asked me five years ago to talk about it like this, I would have found it very difficult. But yes. because I've now talked about it so much on the podcast, I can say his name was Peter, I can say he died like this. Whereas before I'd be like <laughs> like yeah. oh god why is she asking me what, am I going to cry <laughs> how do I feel whereas yeah the more you talk about it the yeah it soothes, I think so. it's soothing I find to talk about them and to not act like they never existed you know yeah. is that how you feel I certainly went through that thing of wanting to make it a good grief yes so when my family died it was like I didn't really do any of my mourning in public to be honest I never shared that with anyone I took yeah, it home yeah. and, and I think what's interesting writing about it you realize actually you expose that and you're truthful about that and that's that's hard because mm, it's hard for so hard. I imagine it's hard for your friends as well like yeah. I imagine thinking all oh, right okay well well I wasn't there for you you know <laughs> you know my my private that absolutely first year raw what the fuck just happened to me was was 20 years ago yeah and I wouldn't if you'd asked me at 15 to talk fuck off <laughs> like I would have not been okay with that because yeah. I didn't have the words then so I think um yeah you have to have a bit of distance from it don't I you agree. well everyone's different but I think it does help to have a little bit of distance and to be able to go I can tell you I've just been to the worst place and I thought I'd never come back from it but and when you're I in did. it it's hard to say because yeah. you think well I'm never I'm here I'm going to die here this is, <laughs> this is the end this is just how it is yeah yeah You did English at Sussex. I did. Good, good research. I know. Well, you know why I know that? Because that's what I did. Did you? Yeah. 
How did we not talk about this? I, know, I don't think we ever did, but I was, oh I, I always loved that fact about you for completely. Wow, Emily. <laughs> and I did table manners with Jessie Ware, who did English at Sussex. No. Yes. And we had a complete, like, oh my God. With, and I was there, that's why I met my best pal, Sarah Pascoe, who also did English at Sussex. No. Yeah, that's how we met. Stop. I didn't know you did that. Yeah. You met Sarah Pascoe, who's yes. a very fabulous comic who's done oh. this podcast, actually. And she um, was at university with you. Yes. And you, were, you became flatmates, did you? Yes. <laughs> we didn't while we were at uni, funny enough. And Willow. Then, Willow, these are stairs. Are you all right with them? <laughs> Do you want a treat or something? I got one, but Willow is not keen. Should we see if it's a treat? No. No, no. turn his nose up. Do Def you know she's a bit... I keep saying she. Yeah, is he? Willow, he has got a very... He's very self-controlled on the food front. <laughs> yeah. Poodles can be. They're really? Not, they're not like Who's food... This? Who's this character? This looks like a poodle mix, isn't it? That's not... A, I don't think that's a standard poodle. Do you? It's a bit fluffy-tailed. Might be a Labrador. Max, Max has taken a shine to the producer. Oh, he's lovely. Hey, Max. Hello, Max. He's big, big brown. Hello, I think it's a Labradoodle. You can Aww. smell your treats. You can smell the treats. Smell the <laughs> That's why Max is being friendly. Yeah, poodles aren't food driven like Labradors. Oh, really? Yeah, they're not so like bothered. Or like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so you shared a flat with yeah, Sarah. Yeah, so we didn't live together at uni, and then basically we left uni, and Sarah is like definitely responsible for oh look what is that it's a tiny little thing oh my god it's a puppy little puppy with a jacket oh, on a tiny red ja winter's yeah. good for dogs I isn't know. it i'm enjoying this fashion show they love it um yeah like pasco's responsible for a large part of my <laughs> life choices so we left uni and we wanted to be actors and i being a very neurotic negative person at the time was like well we just can't do it and she was like yes we can we just have to get actor jobs and I didn't know what that meant she was like we're just gonna get jobs that we, we perform and she obviously wanted to be in London and my mum had a spare room because my brother didn't live there anymore yeah so my mum was like oh Sarah can come and live with me and um, so yeah we live with my mum the pair of us oh really in the house for lost girls my mum used to call it <laughs> <laughs> and um we did like we were tour guides on the buses together and then she we got i did tie for a bit theater and education and basically her big thing was like you just don't have to get an office job you just have to get jobs where you still are using those skills and uh and then she discovered stand-up and i remember vividly i've told you this before <laughs> sitting on the tube with her on the northern line and she'd done a gig and got paid like five pounds and she said she was like carry out you know, I saw some bloke and he did 10 minutes, like, and he got 20 pounds. So if I do that five times a week, like, that's enough to cover, like, food and travel. Like, you know, you could actually, like, just imagine if you just did five gigs a week. And I remember thinking, she's very confident. <laughs> I was thinking, I don't know, this is not for me. This is a bit much, isn't it? So, yeah. But that's an interesting take on life isn't it i think people like that are interesting and you obviously had that as well, well shared that with yeah, she has a much more like confidence which i definitely and i think it i think it comes from losing a parent quite young actually i from more i read about it like it you don't have faith in the world mm. because when you went to put another my awful metaphors when i went to put my foot down in the deep i was it wasn't there the ground wasn't there anymore right so i think i have a quite untrusting sense of the world because of bereavement i think yeah, Sarah has a really, like, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it anyway, which I love about yeah, her. It's taken yeah. me years to go, oh, perhaps that's, I should do that. Frank Skinner, who I work with, I find him a bit like that, in that it's just, well, why wouldn't I give it a go? Yeah, yeah. And, and Sarah was very good that she used to, with the stand-up at the beginning, she was like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm just going to get better, but the only way I'm going to get better is by doing it. Whereas yeah. I was like, oh, I'm shit, I can't do it. Like, this is too bad. I'm the worst person, so I'm not going to do it. And she was like, yeah, but we'll just get better. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a healthy way of looking at it, isn't it? Yeah, so we lived together for a bit, and then she... Actually, it was quite a few years. And then, uh, yeah, eventually, I think it was time for us to move out of my mum's house. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bit... got a bit intense. But, and yeah, it was you, a um, very happy period of my life, actually. How did you start getting sort of radio work and... So I went the... So she went more stand-up route. I went improv, really. Right. That was my impro. So I did an impro course and... Love it. Black yeah. tights. Yeah. <laughs> and um, then... Uh, I've never been up this way. Isn't that oh, silly? We just this is... 
Oh, I love that I'm oh, showing you the side. Yeah, I haven't seen this bit. This is the best bit. This is the best bit in tennis court. People always say that when you say you haven't seen yeah, something, yeah. don't you find? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you mean? That's the best bit. We haven't lived. <laughs> yeah. It's like the one thing I always hate is when you go on holiday with someone who's been there before. Oh, and they show you everything. I'm that oh, person. Are you? Yeah, because I've travelled a lot, and then my husband had hardly travelled at all. Like, they went to holiday in Norfolk every year. So every time we go to them, I'm like, this is the museum, and this is where oh. they did this. I can't, I just, I know, I'm so annoying. I can't, that, and he you know what? It. It's so well-meaning when people <laughs> yeah, do it, and I, they want to I'm share excited. their joy with you. I'm excited, because I'm like, oh, I get to tell you, like when I was here, my parents told me and I didn't get to enjoy it because they ruined it for me. <laughs> I know, but you know, can I speak from your husband's point of yeah, view? No, how absolutely. we feel in those yeah, scenarios. Absolutely. It's a bit like we're constantly in the role. I'm going to call him up actually, <laughs> Mr. Carriad. Bond with him. Yeah, he'll appreciate you it. You put us in the role of the sort of breathless, wide eyed yes, intern yes. who's just arrived for the first exactly. day and we're like, it's a bit New York, just that yeah. picture there. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, please, no, it, it's I get upset if I don't get that reaction as well. Because I'm like, <laughs> you're not impressed? And then he's like, yeah, just, what? What do you want? Like, yeah, it's nice. I'm like, it's amazing, isn't it? Come uh, on, it's amazing. So I did a lot of the impro, and uh, then I got into, like, sketch stuff and doing character comedy. And, yeah, then basically I wrote my Edinburgh show, and that's how I... And how old were you then? You would have been mid-twenties. No, I was late-twenties. Like, me oh, and Pascoe right. were always described, like, this is the sky as late comer to comedy because <laughs> you weren't, like, 21. I think I was 27 when I did my first Edinburgh show because we were trying to be serious actors for ages. I was trying to do Ibsen and Chekhov and Shakespeare right. and no-one was letting me. <laughs> and <laughs> well, they were laughing a lot in the wrong places. And so, yeah, it took me a long time. As I say, my confidence has... It's still, I still struggle, but yeah, it was really bad then. And I did a book called The Artist's Way, because what, what do I do? I turn to self-help. And um, yeah, The Artist's Way changed my life again and was like, I suddenly had this revelation where I was like, oh, it's not about being good. It's about doing it because you want to. And I thought, oh, I want to do comedy. But I'd always thought, yeah, but I'm shit, so I can't do it. Like, you have to be good to do it. And I thought, oh, no, I could just do it because I just want to. And that's when I wrote The Edinburgh Show and I got... Like you got nominated, nominated that yeah. year, yeah, which was amazing. The best newcomer. God, that's amazing. Was that with your first one? That was my first one, yeah. And uh, I didn't have an agent. I didn't have PR. I didn't have anything. It was just me on the free fringe. And then from that, I got my agent and was able to make this my job. Which I so that's why I, I think me, <laughs> me and Sarah had such a long time of trying to do it. We still sometimes have this like utter, utter gratitude that yeah. we get to do this. Like, you're just, like, still... Which sounds, I think, sometimes a bit faux, but, like, genuinely, I worked in... You know, I struggled to get the performer job, so I worked in offices. <laughs> I was a temp for years, you know? So I still feel like, God, that relief that I don't have to wake up and yeah. office angels aren't... I'm waiting for them to call me. <laughs> like, it's been, like, ten years since that happened. I still have a little moment occasionally. I think, oh, God, imagine if they rang me now. I feel that about school a lot. Oh, do you? Which probably shows, yeah, how arrested my development is. But <laughs> I still have that carrier. I feel, oh, my God, thank God. Yeah. I thank God I don't have to do PE and maths. <laughs> that still gets me. When I talk to young people and they say, like, they're talking about school, I think, God, imagine if someone oh. said, now, Emily, get into the tennis court, get into those, come on, get into your pants, everybody. We're going to play tennis. Do you know what's horrible? We are actually outside <laughs> my know. school, which oh, is up yeah, there, course, as you're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so did you always have a sense of kind of being an entertainer when you were growing up? Was that something, you know, I always think that's, that you get signs of that sometimes. Yeah, so I'm one of those, I would say, I think I heard Catherine Ryan talking about this very eloquently once, that she was like, there's this idea of this, you know, the class clown, and that's yeah. a different type of comic. And I definitely, oh, yeah, I wasn't. I was... I was funny and performing to my very private group of friends. Yeah. So I was quite shy, but I wouldn't have been in my family. <laughs> I feel, I mean, they would all roll their eyes at this, as you can appreciate, but they wouldn't have described me as the funny one. Like, yeah. they don't particularly, I think, find me that amusing. And so I think that's why I went and got attention elsewhere. Yes, I understand my, that. My yeah. brother's very, he's less funny these days because he's got very serious. But when, oh. he was, when we were growing up... <laughs> He was hilarious and really silly and really stupid. And you would have thought he was going to be comedian. Like, he mucked around in class all the time. He was always trying to make people laugh and be mm. stupid. And he got me into comedy. So he would make me watch Blackadder and Red right. Dwarf and 
you know, all these comedies that he was like, oh, you've got to watch this, it's so funny, it's so funny. That's the only reason I knew what they were. But my family, I think, <laughs> were very entertained. By I was quite yeah. quiet. Yeah. Like, my family are quite loud people. My dad especially. My dad and my brother are very loud. And so I think I was always in my head a little bit. Yeah. So I think I was more of a... Um, which is why I wanted to be, and still, I'm more of an actor in my head. Because I think I live much more... That's why I do character comedy. Yes. I like being other people. I don't like... Sorry, if you heard me spit, I just saw one magpie. <laughs> and I just realised the microphone would pick that up. I'm like, oh, damn, they did my spit and sleep for one magpie. Yeah, I prefer being other people. I'm not as... Calm. I'm getting better. Why is that, do you think? Yeah, I just always... Like, even as a child, I would be characters in my head and talk to myself and do little plays by myself. It was always but about being somebody else. Mm. I used to watch Ricky Lake. Do you remember Ricky Lake's oh, yes. show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I used to watch it really carefully. Hello. I mean, and then go upstairs and continue it as if it, as if I was on oh. it quite a lot. So I used to think I used to improvise based in character and be like, Ricky, let me tell you why I don't love him. And I oh, just... Oh, yeah, so Ricky Lake, when you're saying that I think of her associate her with the film Hairspray, but actually yeah. she had when a she had the sort chat of show. Oprah type show, Yeah, she did. She? It was massive. It was on Channel yeah. 4, yeah. 5 o'clock. And it was a lot of women with the big hairspray and oh, yeah, fringes shouting. and then high hair, you know, those sort of spiky fringes. Yeah, the curled up fringe. I've always liked living in other worlds. Yeah. I think that's what I'm best at. Willow's got a sniff, it's a bin. Willow! Willow but that's interesting when you're a kid, isn't it? Those games. Yeah, I like to play like imagination games. That was yeah. my, my thing. Rather than like entertaining other people. I didn't really mind if you were entertained or not. I just thought <laughs> I wanted to be there. <laughs> You lived in your head a bit. I live really... My mum used to call me Space Cadet. I was just, like, in my head, I think. Which is why my childhood in my head was idyllic. Because <laughs> I was not there. I wasn't really there, guys. I didn't know what was going on. And now I'll be, like, your therapist. But really, yeah. was it really that idyllic? In my head, it, we had a, I had a wonderful time. <laughs> yeah, my brother sometimes points things at me, like, do you remember this? I'm like, no. <laughs> that was lovely. Things started to go pretty well after Edinburgh presumably and yeah they did I mean it's yeah it's still you know as you know darling it's never <laughs> easy it's always a slog <laughs> one doesn't like to sit on one's haunches but um, I think of you as I think this has been an incredible few years for you because but certainly with grief cast do I say the grief cast I, I never I don't know I was it's called the grief cast on Twitter because there was another thing called grief cast oh. So I I'm don't want to get it wrong. It's like it feels like a terrible. It's like saying fall or the fall. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? So it really angers yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, I know they get really angry. Though. I remember my dad. I don't mind either. Or when we were really young, there was a band called Freeze, and my dad came into the room once when Christmas Top of the Pops was on, oh, yeah, and yeah. just said to me and my sister as we were singing A E I O U, which was their song. Oh yeah. My dad said. 2,000 years of civilization, and what do we get? The freeze. <laughs> and my sister said, Dad, it's freeze. Oh my God. <laughs> so, oh my God, what is wrong with you? You don't even know it's freeze. Like, how are you? Yeah. So I didn't want to say the grief no, cast. No, yeah, it's it, uh, either is fine. It literally okay. is the grief, so that, grief cast. Grief cast? The grief that cast. Feel, that's so taken off and just touched people <coughs> and really helped people as well, I think. I and had some amazing guests. Hashtag Emily Dean. Oh, one of my faves. I love doing it. I, ironically, being a podcast about I death, it's a, it, I find it lo about life. Yeah, you know? that's a lot, a lot of people say, actually, which is... Oh, I'm walking past a graveyard. Do, 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 do. I mean, I might have known with Carrie Adloy. <laughs> yeah. She'd find a way to crowbar tombstones <laughs> into our day Let's together. Let's just go this way, Emily. <laughs> I've also noticed that you crop up on a lot of, you know, you'll do Have I Got News For You and 8 Out Of 10 Cats and the sort of panel shows. I mean, I'm not a stand-up. I love stand-up. I wish I, you know, it's an art form I'm... I can't do, I do different things. Um, and I think sometimes it's quite nice on a panel show to have that. I think I bring a different energy, which is an improviser, sketch writer, um, energy, character performer, which means that I like working with people. That's yeah. what I, that's how improv works. It's like, I can't do it by myself, really. Some people disagree, but um, <laughs> so I like, you know, the conversation we have becomes the joke rather than here's my material. So yes. that's why I, I like doing them because I, I like sitting, I like watching them at home. Yeah. So when I'm on one, I'm like, oh, this is lovely. I'm, I'm able to <laughs> set, join in and say things. So yeah, I just like working with people. So when you do something like Have I Got News For You, do you feel scared or oh, nervous? Oh, terrified, terrified. You? Have I Got News For You? Definitely, because that's one I watched as a kid. Mm. And that's the, actually, I have to say, 
because I have experienced death and so anytime I do anything I think well we're not dead so come on guys that's that perspective here yeah um, so even when I'm very nervous I think well no one's dying in front of me so it can't be that bad but yeah. when I went to have got news the first time I saw that red background my yeah. knees buckled I walked oh. into the studio and I was like oh Oh God! Because it just like I used to watch that with my family, my dad and but my brother. But you know what? I love night. that you say that because I think so many people wouldn't admit that. Oh God, yeah. Because they'd sort of want you to think, oh yeah, yeah, did a little. Have oh, I yeah, got a little hignify? Part, part of the deal, guys. Yeah, That's my yeah. life. Um, no, no, terrified. <laughs> some of them are nice. Some of them are nicer, and not that having got news for you is is actually very nice. But um, I think when. You know, you can't help but feel it's a bit like they'll kill me. Yeah, we met that old older lady earlier. Obsessed. Obsessed. But that's how you feel with going to um, have a good news for you because it's a very established show. I was a teenager watching Ian and Paul do that show, and mm. I used to think they were the funniest, cleverest people. And not that I, it sounds like I've changed my mind. I haven't. I Before just mean, my eyes were open. Yeah, I just think it's you know. Whereas when you do maybe if you like eight out of ten cats as countdown, you're it's more people of your generation that you've grown up with in comedy. Yeah. So you don't feel quite like, oh my God, like, like I said, I saw that red background and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? This is what, this is the telly. <laughs> I'm on the telly, what's happening? So yeah, but um, I, I love doing them. I think they're a lot of fun. Because I have this history of death, yeah. I feel like I can't, yeah, it's a bit like you were saying, like when people are like, I'm not someone who just wants everything to be funny. And I think some comedians are, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I, I think I most just, comedians are. Yeah, and I'm just not, I'm not. And I think some comedians don't like me or don't get on with me that well sometimes. Why? I'm, because I'm, when we, <laughs> before a gig, I'm the sort of person who goes, oh, hey, how are you? And they hate that. I hate that. And I genuinely mean, how are you? You're weird. I know. And they're like, they all just want the, you know, like the sort of quick banter or the, you, I can see them look at me like, why are you trying to emotionally connect with me? I'm like, because isn't that what? What do we do? What do we do? There's a tiny, oh. tiny buggy Willow, coming towards us. Tell me about ostentatious. Yes, as well. the other thing I do. Yeah. So um, ostentatious is an improvised. <laughs> here's a spiel. <laughs> ostentatious is an improvised Jane Austen show. Yes. So, so it's, it's ostentatious a, with an A. Yes. It's not ostentatious. It's not a sort of oligarchs <laughs> wedding. <laughs> no. Um, yes. Yeah, I think I do a lot of weird things. It's quite hard to sum them all up. Um, and we dress in full Regency gear and we have a violinist or pianist that accompanies us. We get a title from the audience. So we've had things like Mansfield Shark, Queer Eye for a Regency Guy, Strictly Come Darcy, <laughs> Double O Darcy, Fifty Shades of Darcy. I just want to talk a bit about your own dog experience. So yes. When you were growing up, yeah. talk me fully through the dog scenario. So we didn't have one when mm. I was very little. Yeah. A lot of allergies in the family, brother with asthma, dad had asthma. and. Um, so, yeah, we never allowed one. And then eventually, I think it was about 12, my mum was like, we can get a poodle. We can get a poodle because they don't shed. And so me and my brother were like, oh, my God, we can have a dog. And we had a very nice lady who lived near us who worked at the RSPCA. And she promised my mum, I hope this is allowed, that when a poodle came in, she'd let her know. Because obviously it's very rare. That's what I said to you. It's very yeah. rare to get poodles. Exactly. They don't tend to be... Yeah. Um, dropped off at um, shelters as much. No, they don't. They're very fancy. You're highly in demand, Willow. And um, she rang my mum and she said, we've got a poodle. And this little grey poodle, same size as Willow, called Pedro. <laughs> we didn't name it. Pedro the poodle came to live with us. But he was insane. He right. was insane, yeah. So he had been with an, a lady, old lady, who he'd obviously adored. They like one person, normally poodles. And she died, and then he'd gone to another family with young kids, and it was quite clear that he'd been abused at the family. Right. And he was terrified of men, so the RSPCA thought the man of the family had hit him. Oh. I know. And so when he came to us, he was 12, so he was a very old boy, but also very nice to get an old dog from rescue centre because they're all trained. Do you want to sit down? Yeah, shall we? So he hated my dad, this dog. Yeah. Like, literally hated and despised him, which was quite difficult. Oh, Willow's sitting on your knee, Carrie. Are you trying to get on my knee? Oh, Willow, hello! <laughs> oh, you've really bonded, oh, Carrie. Look at me trying desperate to take a picture. This is the movie scene where they'd be playing just the two of us <laughs> to a montage of you two. <laughs> look how we took, I took a cute picture of me and Willow. <laughs> yes. I very much identify with poodles. They're nervous, neurotic, they've got curly hair that's difficult to manage. Do you know what I like about Willow? I think there's a sense of 
you said earlier, I'm going to get to know you before yeah, I make my mind which up. Which is what I'm like. I'm not like, I can't just... Me too. I have to be like, oh, can I trust you? Oh what God. happened to Pedro? So Pedro, he did die eventually, like just of old age. And I, mm. feel ba- <laughs> I feel bad for Pedro. So he died, I would say probably a year after my dad. Mm. So it was, no one really cared. <laughs> and I mean that. Only if you're know, in the I club and you can yeah, understand. Yeah, you get it. <clears throat> you know, we'd lost my dad. My dad died six months later. My grandpa died. He was like, <clears throat> you know, one of my favourite people in the world. And it was my mm. dad's dad. And he mm. very much sort of gave up on life. And so we had all the... And then some great aunts died. And it was it was like year of death. As lovely as he was. He was a really mad dog. Like yeah. he barked all the time. and But he loved my mum so much. He loved my mum. And if my mum wasn't around, I was mini mummy. So he'd like look. He'd be like, as long as she wasn't there. Like if I took him for a walk, he was like, right now you're in charge. Yeah. He's like deputy. But if she was there, he was like, fuck you, get out of my way. And he'd be like, I used to be your. He's like, no, not anymore. She's back. She's back. <laughs> so it was a. Uh, and he really hated men. So like any man, you couldn't touch him at all. <laughs> Even like nice men who were like, no, I'm. I'm just trying to say hello. He would. He would like cower and bark and yeah, bless him. But if you're, it was nice. It was like if you're a woman, he was like, you're my best pal. So that was your last, and obviously yeah, then you were living girl. in the, um, what did your mum call the house you lived in? When house you of Lost Girls. The House of Lost Girls. Yeah, she didn't want another dog. So I that was She'd had yeah. too much, and she'd had dogs growing up. They had a lovely Labrador called Cleo. She was like, I don't want another thing coming into the house that's going to die. No. So we didn't have any more dogs for a bit, and she likes going away for the weekend. <laughs> Fair and then my husband is dog obsessed. Dog obsessed. So they, oh. I, then when How his did house, you meet your husband, by the way? We met at school. Oh, shut I know, up. I don't tell people so many. I'm adorable. only telling you that I've never said that out loud. I don't tell people that. I met at school, yeah. So he was friends with my brother. Like that old classic. Yeah. Did he have a crush? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, like really my, bad crush. Yeah, my brother's like yeah, my brother's older, so he was like, you know, I was, oh he's so wonderful. Do you know when like you me? said that I had a free thought? <laughs> because I imagined myself being that age. Yeah. I had a crush on my friend Abigail, I'm going to say this because it's time this man knew, I've never said this and he's about 50 now. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I had a crush on her brother Christopher, my friend Abigail, and I was so in love with him and I can remember just, it was like I was having a relationship with yeah, him. Yeah, in your head, that intense, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I used to have conversations with him while I was in my lessons, you know, like in your head. <laughs> so intense. But yours was normal because Reader, you did. Have I married him. You, well. <laughs> Eventually, eventually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I you know. didn't by any chance. This is what I did: is when I broke my arm when I was at the country house, and <laughs> I was really. Sentence? I remember the first thing feeling, the first moment I felt really elation because he would come in the ambulance with oh, me. Oh, great! <laughs> when you're a teenager, any kind of tragedy is amazing. I mean, don't tell me my dad died. It was like, guys, my dad died. Some attention, please. <laughs> like, and is he in the same world? So he's a filmmaker. He's a filmmaker, yeah. So it's quite nice because he gets it, but he's not like he's not in comedy or that kind of. Wait, are you glad you're not with um, another performer? Yes. Why? Because <laughs> I think they're mad. I just like that he is a writer. He's got a very writery brain. So he, when I talk to him about ideas or material, he doesn't then perform them back at me. Mm. <laughs> he goes, "Oh, that's interesting. Have you thought about leaving that bit there?" And I think, "Oh, yeah, that's a good idea." So I like that. <laughs> like he's very good structurally. So I think sometimes performers get a bit competitive with each other, can't they? Get two performers together. Can do, not all. But I like that it's not, there's no competition in that way. You know. Well, I think you have my sister. Your lovely, lovely sister, Rachel. She, that's so sweet that you remember her oh, name. I good. find that very touching, actually. But she had a theory called kings and courtiers. Oh, right, yeah. So she would say, well, if we'd see a couple, I sometimes think those fractious relationships my sister would say two kings have got together oh yes you can't have two kings two kings i completely agree (laughs) with her yeah she said everyone and and obviously it just means that what you have to have is just that slight sense of happy to be a courtier happy to be a king oh look at this there's a very cute dog going by what is that is that that's um, that's a shih tzu it's a shih tzu isn't it i think it's a shih tzu with extremely long hair i've never seen anything like it i've never seen one with that hair that long it's basically I mean, I thought my dog was eccentric looking. <laughs> it looks like a small lion, a small grey stripy lion. It's got a of hair. It's a bit like in the dog world, that dog has got long grey hair all over its face. It's a bit, in the dog world, it would be the equivalent of one of those, when I grow old, I'm going to wear purple. Yes, yeah, yes, yes, a North London lady. Yeah, a anarchic, coat. fabulous North London lady. 
Anyway, kings yes, and courtiers. Yes, two kings. I agree. I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah, because you... Um, but it sounds, it sounds like he's a courtier, but I would. I was trying to think, like, he's like... Um, no, because what he can be... I mean, the game gets very complicated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can also have quiet king. Yes, that's true. That's true. So quiet king means that they just don't... They don't have the look at me gene. Yeah, But they're still... Yeah. Yeah, I think he's quite king, okay, actually. Quite and I, yeah, and I would say probably a... Loud courtier or king? Bossy queen. <laughs> I'm a bossy queen, so I'm not... Like, it's one of those where everyone thinks I boss him around. Everyone thinks, oh, God, Paul, you know, Carrier's always telling him what to do. But actually, no one tells that man what to do. He does exactly what he wants. He's very quietly stubborn. Oh. So, but, but the overall impression of the comedy is tiny meek. He's very tall, bossing him around, telling him what to do. I love that. Yeah, but he actually does exactly what the fuck he wants. I and you've no got um, a willow. You have a child. <laughs> we do have a child. Yeah, I've got a little girl. How's that? Sort yeah. Of, I mean, I was going to say, has it changed you? What a cliched question, but I just mean, I haven't had kids because I forgot. And <laughs> I, I sometimes think, yeah, it's an amazing thing to do. And I just, people say you're never the same afterwards. And I can really see, I can imagine that's true. And how? Yeah, I compare it to death a lot, which yeah. annoys some of my listeners. <laughs> but I do, I think it's the only thing I can relate to in that my life was, you know, after my dad died, my life was completely changed irrevocably. And mm. if you're in the club, you understand that. Um, and the same thing after I had a baby, it was like, oh, life's never going to be the same again. When someone dies, you're having to deal with a huge absence of a person. And mm. everywhere you look, you just see absence of like, they're not there. There's a gap. There's this massive gap. And when you have a baby, you're dealing with presence. Yes. So you're like, God, there's just that. this person everywhere. And they're, what, why is it? And it's, it's such a weird, they're, you know, they're, they're not the same at all, but they're just very closely related that it's the same kind of physical shift. Yeah. That like when you lose someone, you have to somehow fill that. I mean, you never fill it, but you know what I mean? Your life shifts around that hole where they were and you learn to sort of absorb that hole and kind of build your life around it. When you have a baby, it's like you have to somehow like move your body again and deal with the fact that there's... More, per- more person, mm-hmm. and that you can't just lie in the bed. There's, there's a nut like like when you get with someone, you know, yeah. when you've been single, and which yeah. has happened to me, <laughs> and uh, and then you're with someone, you're like, why is there no space in the bed? Yeah, that's what yeah. it feels like. You're like, oh, I've got to, I've got to think about someone else to get. Like, I have to get her shoes on. That's yeah. the biggest thing for me. Is like you don't walk out the house going, well, I'm ready. You're like, I've got to put someone else's shoes on. It's the picture in the frame thing, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. you you become the. Although people always say that, that you become their frame and your kids yes. are the picture. Yeah, yeah. Although I always say my parents always <laughs> stayed the picture and Rachel and, and I were sort of the Jackson Pollock <laughs> daubs of paint on it. Yeah, but, you know, I different think, versions of yeah, it. Yeah, but, uh, but I think that's, that's um, I sense that with parents and it's something actually, I do look and I think, God, there's a part of me thinking that's a really nice thing to have actually, just that sense of, I think it does. I've watched it with friends. Yeah, yeah. I certainly think with Frank Skinner, he's changed a lot. He's He's just, he's so patient and calm with Buzz in yeah. a way that... It makes you very patient. He very really patient. is. Yeah, it, it teaches you because you're dealing with, a bit like when someone dies and, you know, you, you, they've just gone, you can't argue with them anymore. And it, that's infuriating. Mm. There's that point where you're like, I want to tell you I'm pissed off you're dead and that you can't. Mm. And the same with a baby. You're like, I want you to not do that. And they just do whatever they want to do. Yeah. So it's that same level of infuriation if you think, oh my God, this person does not listen to me. And you have to come to a point where you sort of accept it. But yeah, I think it's, it, it's you know, it should change you really. But that's not to say if you haven't had them, your life is somehow um, diminished. Because the same as if you haven't lost someone, that doesn't mean, oh, you don't know the magic of life that I do. It's yeah. just your life is different. Yes, that's, that's true. All. So I feel like the exotic nature of North London. Um, We're actually not doing this in North London. Yeah, yeah I know that sounds that sounds like Hungarian. Yeah, it's it's fundamentally changed who I am and how mm. I see the world and and I haven't felt like that. I haven't felt that bigger change since my dad died. So that's mm. why I compare them all the time. But I think if you hadn't lost someone, perhaps you wouldn't make the connection between death all the time yeah as yeah. we know i do that quite a lot <laughs> but this is why i love you i, this <laughs> is why I love th- you because we get it we get it some people get it we and sound so smug i know i know i always feel like but look if i don't have a dad and you've lost your family can't we be smug about something <laughs> jesus christ look what we've lost give me give me a bit of smugness about feeling like i lived <laughs> come on Give me something out of this situation. <laughs> I'm like, 
I'm not saying I'm right. Just so this is my opinion on it, Willow. I could sit with you on this park bench in North London talking to you all day about death with Willow the Poodle. Oh, me too. But I need yeah. to let you get back. Yeah. Um, I'm, I really enjoyed our chat. I loved it. I love talking to you. And I wanted to say that everyone should, if you haven't already, you should listen to Griefcast. Oh, bless you. And listen to your episode. I find, I honestly, I highly recommend your episode. It's a very inspirational episode. Well, oh. I will say recommend. So many people, I've, every interview I've ever done, I think that's, is the thing that people come up to me the most about. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, I was walking nice. the dog actually not long ago in Hampstead Heath and a woman came up and she said, is that Ray? <laughs> the famous Ray. Ray and Ray. I said, yeah. And then we, she said, I just wanted to say I heard your... We've cast, and I get that a lot, and oh, I think people so nice. love it. So yeah, so please, you must listen to that um, because it's really life-changing, actually. It's not as depressing as you think. That's what I always caveat it with. It's yeah. not as depressing as you suspect it might be when, and when someone says they're talking about death. You know what? If it does move you, that's okay. Yeah. It's okay to cry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's okay to, be, to laugh and cry. Laugh and cry at the same time. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. It's the part of the human experience. Yeah, exactly. Isn't it, Willow? Oh, yeah, thank you so much. Thank Have you, you loved Willow? I am going to put Willow in my bag and take him home. He's literally sat on my lap. He's made the choice, not me. He's chosen me. You know, remember him bounce, bounce with neighbours when he chose Mrs Mangle? She had the biscuits. <laughs> that's what's happened. Willow's chosen me. So let's tell Jane. That Willow's mine. Willow's found a new home with yeah. um, North London's answer to Mrs. Mangle. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. I really hope you enjoyed listening to that and do remember to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes.